0: Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Tax Smart REI podcast. In today's episode, we're going to be discussing what you need to know about claiming depreciation in subsequent years and similar issues. So, we're going to be diving into some complex topics, but it is critical that you understand this if you are a real estate investor. So, we're going to get into all of that in just one second, but I do want to announce some very exciting things that we have coming up in the Tax Smart Insiders community over the coming month. First thing we're going to have is a feature that's going to revolutionize our course ecosystem and make it so much better for all the TaxSmart insiders that are in the community. So really excited that that's going to be coming up. Also, the second feature is going to allow you to tap into our brains 24-7. It's super Super awesome, super excited uh, that it's going to be launching over the next few weeks. So everybody stay tuned. We will be giving you more information. If you're already a Tax Smart Insider, you're going to be seeing the stuff within the community over the next few weeks already. So super excited to keep an eye out for it. So if you do want to become an insider, you can head on over to www.taxsmartinvestors.com slash insiders to start your 30-day free trial today. We'll see you on the inside, but for now, we're going to just jump right into the episode. So today we have Justin Shore with us. He's senior advisor here at our firm. Uh, Justin, I know we're going to be going through a lot today. Um, it's going to revolve around a form 3115. Would you be able to give a quick overview of what form 3115 is and why real estate investors should even care?
2: Yeah, form 3115 can really be used for a lot of different things, but the primary thing that we'll be talking about today is being able to, essentially, in a nutshell you can catch up missed depreciation from prior years and that can include bonus depreciation. So this is a great opportunity to explore things around, you know, timing of when to take bonus depreciation, but also if you feel like you had a situation where you missed out on critical information, you know, earlier in your investing career that there are ways that we can, you know, essentially make those types of corrections for you in the current tax year, which is great without having to file multiple years of amended returns.
0: Could we just dive into a little bit of a scenario where an investor, you know, might want to use this like a specific scenario?
2: Yeah, I mean the first one would be, you know, like I said, you know, timing is that if, you know, we talk a lot about, you know, real estate professional status or like the short-term rental exception and sometimes it's just not something that's completely achievable in the current year, it might be something that you're working towards you know, we, we know that something like real estate professional status, it's not supposed to be easy necessarily. So it is a, a high bar or a high target to hit. And uh, you may not know if you've really fully achieved it until you're really close to the end of the year. But obviously, you don't want to wait to acquire properties until the very end of the year when you feel confident that you're going to hit real estate professional status. Similarly, with short term rentals, it could be somewhat similar where you just weren't able to hit that material participation test in time before the end of the year and you're thinking well maybe this is something that i'll be able to attain next year so i would say that would be the first consideration would just be literally a a timing consideration
0: i think what we're we're kind of talking about here is bonus depreciation right so basically for everybody who might be new to the show or if you just need a quick refresher, bonus depreciation is sometimes called first year bonus depreciation. The reason for that is because you're supposed to claim bonus depreciation the first year you place a property into service, right? So just to kind of paint a picture, let's say you buy a property in June of this year, you placed in the service in September, you're supposed to claim bonus depreciation in 2023. That's the year we're recording this, right? But there might be a situation where you don't qualify as a real estate professional, or you can't use the short-term rental loophole on that specific property, and the losses would be passive, right? You don't want them to be passive. We want to be able to use our losses. So instead of claiming the bonus depreciation in year one, um, where it would be passive, you might Decide to claim it in year two, right? And in year two, you might actually qualify for the real estate professional status or the short-term rental loophole. And in that case, you'd want to take that bonus depreciation in the second year because in that year, being non-passive can offset your W-2, active business, or other forms of non-passive income. However, to do that, you would typically need to file this form 3115, do a 481A adjustment which your accountant would do that for you in order to bring that depreciation you should have taken in year one into year two. So this is kind of why it is relevant uh, for people out there if you're an investor. And if you want a more detailed description of bonus depreciation, Justin actually was able to find episode 219, which is where we discussed a lot about bonus depreciation if you do want to uh, learn more. So one of the strategies we just discussed Going to be if you qualify for reps or short term loophole in a later year, and you want to take the depreciation in a later year, you're going to need the form thirty one fifteen. What would be another use case for this form? Why else would an investor need to use this form? So another
2: situation that you might come across is when you have a short term rental. You've established it as a short term rental, maybe you know the first year, maybe even through the second year, and maybe you're in year three. And you're at the point where you say, you know, um, I think uh, I'm tired of managing the short-term rental or maybe the market's changed. Or we talked in recent episodes about uh, regulations maybe that have come into place that are changing uh, what you're allowed to do with the property and you can't make the short-term rental. Whatever the case may be, you might need to turn it into a long-term rental at that point in time. One of the I always kind of joke with clients about this. um, One of the many illogical things that the IRS does is they say that short-term rentals are actually treated as non-residential property. So it seems counterintuitive. But at the year where you change it into a residential property, which would be when it becomes a long-term rental, the depreciable life of the building is going to change from 39 year, which is non-residential, to 27 and a half year straight line depreciation, which is a little bit faster. It's a little more than 1% per year faster. So that could be another instance where you would want to use this form 3115 because you are changing the depreciation. Method that's being used on the property to match that long term rental treatment. If you plan to rent that property as a long term rental for the foreseeable future, you're going to wind up capturing all of your depreciation on it about 12 years faster.
0: Right, right. So, just kind of recap where we are for uh, everybody who's listening right now, you would need to use this form so far in two instances. One is when you're taking bonus depreciation in a later year, generally because you qualify for reps or the short term loophole in a later year. Or when you're converting a short-term rental into a long-term rental, you're going to need to change the depreciation method and you're going to need to use 3,115 to do that. Um, So I know we have a few other use cases for this um, that you had mentioned earlier. Uh, You want to run through those? I actually wanted to jump in here. So
1: if you go from 39 year to 27 and a half year, you're saying you have to use a 3,115. What if you're going from 27 and a half to 39 year? Like what if you're going long-term rental to short-term rental?
2: Yeah, technically you would be changing the the depreciation method in that. So we'd need to use it for that as well.
1: I thought there was something that was like, if you are going to the longer class life, you just adjust it on your depreciation schedule. You don't actually have to file form thirty one fifteen. Am I making that up?
2: Actually, might need to double check on that because I think you might be able to just leave it on the original basis that you would only have to file the form if you're speeding it up. Essentially, if you're going 39 to 27 and a half year, forget the conversation we had on that.
1: All right. So we actually just spent a little bit of time double checking our facts on this and researching this. And I think, I think that we found the answer and we have the right answer to tell you guys. So when you change the depreciation schedule for an asset, that is a change in use. It's not a change in accounting method. And you only file a form thirty one fifteen when it's a change in method of accounting. So, you know, if you're going from long-term rental, 27 and a half years to 39 years, or even short-term rental, 39 years to 27 and a half years, that's just change in use i don't think that it trips the regulations or the rules under section 446e or 481 a uh, so you don't have to file a form 3115 when you're going back and forth but you do file the form 3115 if you're retroactively changing um you know all the like like if you if you did the cost segregation study and you're breaking out all the assets and uh you missed that accelerated depreciation that's when you file the form 3115
2: yeah Right, right,
1: exactly. Okay, cool. I'm glad that we um, did some research on that and figured that out. So th- those sections, if you want to explore it yourself, it's Section 446E and Section 481A. When those apply, you have to file a Form 3115. but they would not apply, I think, in most cases when you're just changing the use. And a change of use, meaning going from 27 and a half years to 39 years or 39 years to 27 and a half years, the change in use is not a change of accounting method, so you don't have to file Form thirty one fifteen.
0: Right, right, exactly. All right, so now that we've got to the bottom of when to use th- Form thirty one fifteen and when not to use Form thirty one fifteen, let's say an investor is contemplating using one of these strategies that may require the Form thirty one fifteen. What considerations, you know, do they need to know? Right, what are the costs? What are the risks? What else do you need to know um, when doing this? Because I know it's not just as simple as just okay, this set strategy sounds good, it works for me, boom, I'm going to go ahead and execute it. There's always a, you know it's going to be some costs and risks involved.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think you know it definitely depends on who's filing your return. I-, I would regularly provide the advice that you know something that's getting into this area it's pretty darn complex, you know, and it's something you probably wouldn't want to do yourself through like an online software uh, of some kind. But one question I do get in that regard, even for you know from uh, a lot of people, is like, okay, how could I tell if the preparer that I use here locally or whatnot that's been doing my turn for twenty years or something, how will I know if they are familiar with this or they know how to use it? And what I would suggest is if you have a situation like this where you say, hey, you know, I bought my property last year, but I'm going to claim bonus appreciation on this year, you know, which. Form is it that we need to attach to my return or whatnot to be able to, to make that happen? You know, it's almost kind of a little bit of a leading question to, to see if they've got that answer, you know, in their holster that, oh, we got to attach form 3115. You know, if, if they give you a different kind of answer, that's something along the lines of, oh, no, you can't do this or you shouldn't do this or something like that. Um, that, that could probably be a red flag.
0: All right. So basically, you should not do this yourself. Okay. This is not a yeah. DIY <laughs> type of strategy for the DIYers out there. And you're gonna to wanna to work with a qualified tax professional who knows how to file the form thirty-one fifteen. Justin just went over a kind of how you might be able to determine if they understand this. So Justin, I know there's a debate over whether or not you could even use the form thirty-one fifteen in the second year, you know, especially for those people who who might be qualifying as a real estate professional or using the short-term rental loophole and need to go catch up that depreciation. Why was there even a debate to begin with? Why was this even questioned?
2: Yeah, so there's a lot of uh a lot of information that circulates around on this. And, you know, a lot of people think, oh, everything's just laid out in the tax code. But as you may have like heard people talk about, the tax code is just almost kind of like the baseline. And then sometimes we can look further and we can go into treasury regulations, and then we can go even further if we need to into things called uh revenue procedures. And this is one of the many reasons why we say that, you know, you can't necessarily be an expert in all areas of taxation, because not only are there thousands and thousands of pages of the tax code, but then there's tens of thousands of pages of things like revenue procedures and treasury regulations. And uh, to make things potentially a little bit more complicated, they update these things somewhat regularly. So for the last year or so, we were looking towards revenue procedure, what we'd say in short, RevProc 2022-14. And there was a section that circled all around this, around making 481A adjustments on the Form 3.115. Um There was some confusing language in that revenue procedure that somewhat hinted or implied that you were not able to make this kind of adjustment in the second year that you own the property. Some people argued that you had to wait until you were in the third year, which seemed somewhat illogical. Like I mentioned earlier in the episode, though, the IRS isn't necessarily always super logical. So we wanted to dig into a much, much further um, and what I wound up doing is uh, actually I contacted the office of Chief counsel, which is, is the IRS's dedicated uh, attorneys essentially um, to get clarification on it and actually spoke with the person who wrote that section of the revenue procedure and got some information on that and I'm not getting into too much of the technical part of that discussion because he was extremely knowledgeable on this having been the author himself, as you can imagine, He clarified for us that, yes, you can use the 3,115 in the second year that you're owning the property. Some of the confusing language that was in that section, some people were debating was not intended to be pointed at uh, just the second year of ownership specifically. It was actually pointed at some even more obscure concepts around extremely specific types of assets that the IRS has uh, specialty classes for. But, uh, we did just see actually almost as if the IRS knew we were recording this uh, podcast this week. Um, they, they released uh, a new revenue procedures 2023-24 that actually covers the same topic. But um, before recording this, I went through and double checked to make sure that nothing in this particular section regarding 481A adjustments in the Form thirty one fifteen uh, had changed. They kept all of that the same. But that is something as we have to keep a very close eye on. These updates quite literally on a yearly basis.
1: So to kind of summarize with where we're at right now, right? For anybody that's like listening and this is going over their heads, Form thirty one fifteen has a lot of uses, right? So if you're a tax professional, you're listening to this and your face is getting red because we're not covering all the uses. Yeah, we know. (laughs) We're just talking about real estate specifically. So you buy a property in 2022 and then in 2023, you decide to cost segregate it. But maybe you, or, or maybe even in 2024, you decide to cost segregate it but apply it to your 2023 returns. And since you bought it in 2022, placed it in service in 2022, and you cost segged it and applied it to your 2023 returns, mm-hmm. you have to file Form 3115 to get the 481A adjustment and basically recategorize all of the assets per the cost segregation study. And so to do that, right, if you don't apply the cost egg study to your 2022 returns and you do it at some later point, apply it to some future return, you have to file the form 3115. you have to do a 481A adjustment, which is embedded in that form 3115. So that's what the tool, that's what the purpose of the form is in the context of investment real estate. But what we see a lot, and frankly, what we were always confused on until Justin took the step to call the office of chief counsel, was could you buy a property in 2022, not cost it in 2022? Instead, you cost segregate it and apply it to your 2023 returns. Could you actually do that? Could you um, do the form 3115? A lot of vendors and uh, folks out there will actually say, no, you can't do anything in 2023. You have to amend your 2022 returns and apply it to your 2022 returns. Or you have to wait and apply it to your 2024 returns with a 3115, and the reason is you have to have two years for a um, an incorrect accounting method to basically be eligible yep. for the form 3115. That's the whole. That's where this entire idea stems from, I think. But what we're basically confirming is that, and this is based on based on Justin calling the Office of Chief Counsel, having this conversation. Uh, that wasn't the intent as it pertains to this particular piece of investing in real estate. So you can buy a property in 2022, you can cost segregate it and apply to your 2023 returns and you can use a form 3115 with a 481A adjustment to do that. That's kind of what we're what we're talking about here today. So when would you do this or why would you do this? I think that's maybe important, right? I think some people think, "Well, I'm going to buy the property and immediately cost seg," but you know, you could buy a property and maybe, maybe you don't materially participate in that year that you acquire it, right? Maybe you're not a real estate professional in that year. Uh, so, if you cost segregate it and create this big tax loss, what happens? Well, we've recorded tons and tons of episodes on the passive activity loss rules. In short, the tax loss gets suspended and it gets carried forward. You can't use it to offset your ordinary income, your your regular income, W two income, business income, but maybe in 2023. Uh, you do qualify as a real estate professional or your spouse qualifies as a real estate professional and you materially participate in the rental activity. And now all of a sudden, if you could cost seg in 2023 or apply a cost segregation study and a 481A adjustment to 2023, you could really benefit from it because it's going to create tax losses that you can use. um, Assuming that again, you do qualify as a real estate pro and you materially participate. So Something to keep in mind, I think, especially as we're exploring cost segregation studies, and you know, we're getting uh, marketed to by cost seg firms all the time. I know it's it's high pressure sales, right? We're going into Q, I guess we're we're Q three right now, but we're going to be going into Q four here soon. And what I always like to remind people is, all the cost seg firms have sales targets, so they're going to tell you all sorts of things to try to get you to close on that cost egg study by the end of the year. Keep that in mind. But what we're trying to tell you is. You have a lot of flexibility on the timing of that cost segregation study.
2: Yeah, and I just want to add in there too. You know, this we're talking about almost like somewhat more complex strategy there with the, all these timing issues. You know, like, like Brandon said, whether you're materially participating or not, or it could be a situation where maybe you know that you're going to have something like RSUs are going to vest for you next year, and your income is going, your taxable income is going to be a lot higher, so you'll be in a higher tax bracket. So to claiming that bonus depreciation in the following year might be more beneficial. But even a more simplistic scenario that we see, and I mean, this happens every year, we'll have new clients come in and their previous preparer, you know, either told them not to claim bonus depreciation, even though they were materially participating in a prior year where they could have utilized a strategy. But even more simply, I was working with our tax team a few days ago on one of these situations where the client's previous preparer told them not to claim depreciation at all under the premise that, hey, you'll experience recapture. And I believe this was actually covered pretty well in that that episode 219. So definitely go check that out if you want more information on depreciation. Um, But we had uh, this particular client, the property that they owned, they'd had it, uh, I think, a little over 10 years. And it was just long-term rental property. So they had roughly 10 years of straight-line depreciation, just regardless of whether or not they had a cost segregation study done. And that equates to roughly 36% of the building value that could have been depreciated over the last 10 years, we caught that and were able to file this, this Form thirty one fifteen to make this adjustment uh, to uh, essentially catch up all of that depreciation. So in that situation, the client was able to effectively take a much larger chunk of depreciation in their 2022 tax year, even though they weren't having a cost study done just because this particular type of error had been made, well, frankly, for several years by the the prior preparer. So there are a lot of different situations that we could use this that you know don't even necessarily hinge on something like a cost segregation bonus depreciation. But there is a, one additional feature or note that we have to make on that I would say too, is that for, for people that are hearing this and going, oh, I, I bought properties and I didn't know about cost segregation study, I'd love to do this now for properties I bought a few years ago. When it comes to claiming bonus depreciation, what we would sometimes call retroactive bonus appreciation is we can only do it on properties that you acquired on or after September 27th, 2017. I know that's a very, very oddly specific date, Um, (laughs) but that is because that's when the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act uh, effectively, when it went into effect. And that's where we essentially turned on the the 100% bonus appreciation spigot. So like I said, uh, if it's something you bought prior to that, you might have the opportunity if depreciation was missed entirely, but it just depends on all the facts and circumstances and the dates you bought the properties.
0: Awesome, awesome. So I know we covered a lot in today's episode. So if you do have any questions on this, you, you want to get clarity on anything, you think any of this applies to your situation, you could always join our Tax Smart Insiders group by heading over to www.taxsmartinvestors.com/slash-insiders, and you'll have access to the minds of us gentlemen like Justin who uh, can help you uh, get answers to these questions via private forums, live Q&As, and a lot of other cool things that, like I said, we have coming up in the Insiders community over the coming weeks. So uh, definitely do stay tuned. Now has never been a better time to become a Smart Insider. I am super hyped. Literally, I, I can't I, I can't sleep over it about what we have releasing. It's it's super awesome. So again, go ahead and check that out, TaxSmartInvestors.com slash insiders. And we'll catch you on the next episode of Smart REI.
1: Thanks for listening to today's show.